we're in this, this uh, the third of three weeks on a message that Jesus gave that Luke records for us in chapter six, and it's called the Sermon on the Plain. It, it, it parallels in many ways what Matthew's account is of the Sermon on the Mount. And we get to a point of this sermon that Jesus gives where he's saying, um, yes, this is for you as a disciple, but this is a time for you to also think about discipling others. In other words, this is your opportunity to begin leading, guiding other people. And so he kind of starts to describe as he's, he picks up from what he has already talked about and he includes in what we're gonna look at today, these characteristics that are important for us as we guide other people. That's such an important part of, of our calling. There's a lot of good things that we could do, but Jesus made it abundantly clear that we are to make disciples. And that's a, it's a churchy term and it can kind of feel a little bit um, uh, ethereal. So how do you put some feet to that? And that's the, what Christine was talking about on March 18th and 19th. I'd love to see all of us there, unless you're going to see your mother in Southern California. I would love to see all of us here. Um, it will be in this room, Friday night and Saturday, it'll be a very experiential um, opportunity for us to think about, yes, how we can grow as disciples, but how do we share this? How do we guide other people into a growing relationship with Jesus? We know that's not easy where we live and where we work. And so this will be an opportunity for us to really grow in that area. Um, and so I, I think um, we're going to see that the first characteristic, the biggest characteristic that Jesus points out is sight. So thank you, Dave, for pointing out that a good guide dog has vision himself, herself. Um, and so we're going to look at this passage and talk about how important it is for us um, as we are leading people. So let me kind of do a, a little recap. So week one, we talked about what Jesus referred to as the blessed life, the good life but he kind of turns the world upside down when he talks about the blessed life. And we, we talked about a few things about the blessings of poverty because that brings us to a point of just ultimate reliance on God. It, uh, we talked about the blessing of hunger because it brings us to a point where we have an appetite for, for the best things, the things that are really beyond what this world can offer. Um, and then the blessing even of being excluded because it gives us an opportunity to rest in God's unconditional acceptance. Um, I think I, I just sensed that that was kind of taking place even during our worship time. Just some of those foundational truths just allowed us to, to realize we are accepted as we are where we are. Um, and then last week, Matt laid out a very compelling message. Did you like how I gave him a, the topic of loving your enemies? That was pretty nice of me, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that, Matt. But he did such a beautiful job of reminding us of the freedom that we have when we forgive others who have wronged us and that there is um, it, that, um, this vengeful, um, uh, redemptive kind of violence is a myth that we, we don't really find ourselves satisfied if we get stuck in that cycle. And so um, this kind of brings us to today's message where um, if we're going to talk about those things, like what it's like to live a blessed life, if we're going to talk about those things like loving our enemies, then we need to first do those things. It's like, oh man, 
I would much rather just go to class <laughs> than have to live this out. So he's, he's really kind of putting it back on his listeners. He's, he's, he's gathered at least his 12 disciples or probably some other disciples that are listening in. And he's saying, okay, if you're going to really experience this life, uh, if you're going to tell others about this life, then you first need to experience it. And I really do want you to share this with others. So it's important that you get an idea of firsthand experience. And so uh, some of these verses are going to be showing up here on the screen in just a moment, but we're going to be in Luke 6, starting in verse 39. And um, again, he is saying, I want you to guide some people. And for you to guide people, you have to experience it first and foremost for yourself. Um, Jack and I were working out in our neighbor's garage. They have a gym in their garage that is like beyond what most gyms have. It's crazy. Zach and Donna have their whole uh, garage set up in that way. And Zach and Donna also have, uh, I think Rip is nine months old now, something like that. And so what I noticed this time working out, uh, you know, they got the, the, the squat rack, they got Um, the lat pull down, they got, uh, you know, leg extension machines, they got all the dumbbells and barbells and all of that. And then hanging right in the middle of their garage is this little swing for a baby that you can put in there. And I thought, this kid is destined for health. There's no doubt about it. And that's kind of the picture I get here is is Jesus is saying, "Um, I don't want you to just kind of talk about this. I want you to live it out. And and who was that person that could be sitting right there watching you do this the whole time? And how is this going to impact them? And so uh, beginning in verse 39, um, he tells three parables. First one is, uh, he told him this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? So he's kind of using this exaggeration to say, you think it's hard to see with a little bit of sawdust in your eye, put a plank in your eye and see how hard it is to see. And this word plank actually means like a beam that would support a ceiling. So I don't know how you would put that in your eye, but imagine how difficult it would be to see um, with something like that. And so obviously he's he is, uh, he's making a point that vision is really important <laughs> if we're going to guide others. This is really important that we can see uh, where we are going. And, and this is also a part of, um, I think we need to be able to see ourselves clearly as well. It's, there's, there's something about this that kind of has a self-examination component to it. Um, there's just this, this need for an awareness that in some ways we are all in this early process of learning. And we are in this together. It goes on to say, uh, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, so I, I just... Ha- I know personally um, two people who are visually impaired, like uh, really not able to see at all, um, and they just happen to both be named Richard, which is just kind of weird. 
But um, there is a, a Richard that I got to know in St. Louis when I was uh, working at a gym as a, a personal trainer. Uh, Richard was, um, was blind, but he was one of the, our most consistent members coming into the gym. And he was familiar with where the equipment was. He was able to kind of manage getting around the gym just fine. And uh, one time I was in the locker room, and I could tell he, he couldn't figure out which of the lockers was his. And so he's kind of groping, and um, it's a, it was a big gym. There were a lot of people in the locker room, and I could tell it was some people, it, people were kind of felt a little awkward. So I went over, and um, I took his hand. I said, hey, Richard, and he said, hey, Gary, you recognize my voice, and and I um, kind of put his hand either on my elbow or my shoulder, I don't remember, and walked him over to where he, the locker was that he usually used, and, and sure enough, that's, that's where it was. But um, the, the, what makes that story interesting is the fact that Richard um, had just walked into the locker room from the showers, and <laughs> um, Richard did have a towel thrown over his shoulder, so... <laughs> So here's this, this naked blind man trying to find his way around the locker room to find his locker. And I, just all kinds, of, I, I could see on everybody in there, we, we kind of wanted to help, but boy, is this awkward, you know? This is just, what do you do? Does he know that he's naked? I think he does. <laughs> he's comfortable with it. I'm not, but... Anyway, so I, I help him get over there to his locker. Uh, here's, here's the point of this. Um, I don't know what it's like to be blind, but I do know what it's like to be lost and to feel exposed. And that was really kind of what was going through my mind in that moment. And what Jesus is saying is, um, we, we want you to be able to, under, I don't want you to be blind but you do have to be able to relate. Can we, can we acknowledge that what we have in common with these people that are blind, do you know what it's like to be lost in life? Do you know what it's like to be exposed when the you that you have been trying to project falls apart and the real you is kind of there on display? Um, let me ask this question. Um, what, what helps expose you to your blind spots? Naturally, we all have blind spots in life. We all have areas that um, having to do with our character or the way we're thinking, the way we're acting that, that we don't see. That's why they're called blind spots. But, but God can use a variety of, of things to to awaken our awareness to those blind spots. What are, just off the top of your head, what, what comes to mind? What has God used to awaken you to your blind spots? Yeah, okay, so Kate said, when, when Christian friends point things out to me in kind ways. So yeah, so there's, there's a couple of ways for those blind spots to be exposed. One of them maybe would make you want to retreat into hiding even further or denying it or covering it up. But then there is that where, where people present it in a loving way and invite you out into the open with that so you can see it. 
So, yes. I said feedback, same thing. Feedback, yeah. Um, so, um, what's a, how do you initiate a conversation like that? You know, that, that, there's kind of a, a courage that goes with that when you give someone permission to speak. Like, Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for on Zoom, what Karen is saying is so true. Um, we have to be ready to to hear that. If we're not ready, if we don't want to see, <laughs> then I don't know that God's going to give us the vision to to see that. So I think it's it is really important. And um, um, so there's a discerning on the on the part of the one that's helping, is this person ready to receive this? Yeah. Patrick. Can you pull your mask down? I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not able to hear you. Oh wow, yeah. So, so you so you're kind of listening to yourself as you're explaining something. Is that kind of what you're saying? And and you see what you've missed? Is that am I understanding that right? Yeah, that's great. That takes a lot of self awareness for that. Jane. Ah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay. Stepping outside of the comfort zone, doing something that is not your norm. Where you, yeah, where you, in other words, where we're not in control. That's usually where we're going to be exposed in some of those. Christine? Conflict. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll bring it out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I do something that's stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when you do something that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even say it isn't so. Yeah. Falling flat. It'll it'll wake us all up. Yeah. Sue. Yeah. Yeah. So being quiet enough to hear that still small voice, and can we give that still small voice a name? <laughs> Listening to the Holy Spirit in us, you know, yeah. Yeah. In the end, I saw that it, it ended 
Yeah. That persistence played, yeah. Yeah. Coming at it from both sides. Yeah. One more. Margaret? Ah, yes. The, the, the people that reflect the characteristics that you don't want in yourself. Yeah. It's, some people are mirrors, and we, <laughs> we don't like acknowledging that, for sure. Yeah. Daniel, do we have somebody on Zoom with, with any responses to this? Okay. the Bible, and I'm looking at it on purpose, you know, for, for, for this, I, I hear, I see in myself um, some of the characteristics of, uh, you know, somebody who's being chastised or, 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 you know, getting a bad result. I'm like, wait, I've got that bad result. That's, <laughs> that's something I didn't realize about myself. So that's, that's a yeah. connection. Yeah. So I, I hope this maybe just this exercise and thank you for all this input. This maybe you feel a little bit better just accepting the fact that you have blind spots. That's that's for all of us. Okay. Um, How many of you are familiar with the Enneagram? One of the things that makes the Enneagram unique as a kind of a personality type indicator is that it helps you identify some of those broken parts of you and how you respond and, and how you kind of live out this false self um, as a part of that brokenness. And it, it, it kind of brings to light this so that you can begin to address it. So it, it's, it's one of those deals that if, if, you're, um, if you're looking for a pick-me-up and an esteem booster, don't take an Enneagram assessment necessarily. <laughs> but it, it can be a very valuable tool. There's a lot of ways, um, and certainly I think one of the best is just the people that are with us the people that are closest in relationships to us. And if you are blessed to have those people in your life who can lovingly and in a kind way say, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but, and then to walk with you in that. I just think that that's really a, a gift. And so, um, so Jesus begins with that, that parable. The next two will move through a little bit faster. Let me continue. A second parable in verse 43, uh, Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. And so it's, it's kind of saying that conduct follows character. Fruit follows root, if you want to uh, think of it that way. Uh, fruit can be, um, it, it's at least suggestive, if, if it's not an, an ideal on-the-spot indicator. It goes on, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
Um, it's, it's a, it, it, this is something that we're talking about what most naturally comes from us, from within us. When we are squeezed, what comes out? If you squeeze an orange, what's going to come out? Yeah. When you are squeezed, figuratively speaking, <laughs> what comes out? And so this is, this is what this is, is, is talking about. Each tree being recognized by its, by its own fruit. It reminds me of the, of the song, um, Walking in Memphis. And they, um, are you a Christian child? Ma'am, I am tonight. It's just kind of that, you know, okay, for now, yeah. But when we're squeezed, are we? And uh, we, is there something in us that has transformed us um, so that we, ma'am, I am tonight, and I will be again tomorrow, and I will be again throughout the day, no matter what happens. This is just in me, and it can't be contained. And then the third metaphor, um, he uses a building metaphor. Uh, he begins by saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So he's, he's beginning by saying, um, that faithfulness is important, which kind of ties in with what we we're talking about just a moment ago with the trees. It's, it's not just producing fruit once, but faithfully year after year after year out of the goodness of your heart producing fruit. And so he's still, he's tying these metaphors together um, as he's, he's saying um, uh, that faithfulness is important. And so when he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, He's, he's saying that anyone can say, Lord, Lord, but not everyone chooses to act on that. We can say it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're producing any fruit other than maybe just in that moment. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. We, we were just singing about these storms that come your way. And Jesus is saying, examine the foundation. What, what is your house built on? Um, I was reminded in St. Louis how many different words they have for precipitation. In, in just the few days I was there, it rained, it snowed, it iced. We had freezing ice, we had freezing mist. And then the meteorologist also referred to this mixture called snain, combination of snow and rain. We have so many different words for precipitation depending on where you live, you know? Here it's like drier, drier. You know, that's kind of, that's, that's all we have. But um, all of those words, and I, and I was thinking about that, we, we could each kind of name the storms that we have, but we have the possibility, the gift of a common foundation. Are we building our lives on that solid foundation? Um, verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, it's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And he's basically saying it's foolish to hear what Jesus is saying 
and to nod, but not obey it. it it's foolish. You are building your life on something that is, is very easily going to be washed away if you don't take what Jesus says and, and begin to implement it and put it into practice on a daily basis. So this is a, just an odd ending to a sermon. This is, that was the end of the sermon. This is what Jesus, you know, eloquently been talking to his disciples, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. All right. Judas, you want to pass the plate? What are we doing? It just ends like that. And he's just, it's almost like he's saying, so how are you going to respond to this? It doesn't have this really nice, neat, clean, tie a bow on it. He's really just putting it back on the listener, saying, what is your response? And that's when we realize that on one hand, a storm could destroy my life. But if I build on that foundation, that storm could be what defines my life. And it really shows what's on the inside because of what God has done for me. And that's what we can take back out into the world. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He experienced a storm that defined who he was as our Savior. Um, I want you to, um, as, a, as a way to prepare yourself for this meal, would you let me just read the lyrics from that Firm Foundation song and uh, just let these kind of wash over you. And as they wash over you, just as a, as maybe they can kind of become a prayer as you prepare yourself uh, to come and take the bread and dip it in the cup. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail me now? Father, thank you for your unconditional love, the way that you pursue us. You are running after us with goodness. And at this time, we just we pause. And Father, whether it is just through this symbol of this meal or just a, a prayer of our heart, uh, we want to return to you and say we, we want our lives to be founded on you. You are the rock that we can depend on, that we can establish our lives on, and you will not let us down. We thank you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.